This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The DFS Studio is brought to you by DraftKings. the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in. We're back. Tuesday, October 24th. The Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I am joined, as always, by Matthew on the brink of death, Betts. I am unwell. Currently, uh, not in a good place, Kyle. Not in a good headspace. You know, if you would have told me after going up 2-0 in the series that this game would be forced to seven games, I would say you're crazy. So it's been a rough, uh, you know, couple days here on the Betts household. My wife just keeps asking me, are you okay? You don't seem yourself. You seem more stressed than usual. She's like, is it work? I'm like, no, work's great. Like, there's nothing to complain about. It's literally this stupid baseball team from Philadelphia. (laughs) That is breaking my heart. And the worst part about it is if they lose this game, I have to hear about it from Andy for a week. So I'm in I'm in shambles. You have a lot to lose. I'll tell you that. And I know for a lot of people listening, they're like, I don't care about baseball. We try to give a holistic picture of our lives. You know, kids, chilies, baseball. This is the season of life that we're in. And I hope they stick it to you guys because here's the thing. You guys looked unbeatable, like, against the Braves. Just, like, could do no wrong. And then I'm watching the game yesterday, and they just looked so meh. Like, like couldn't catch up to anything. They weren't even throwing fast. Especially, like, I was watching, like, the, in, the last couple of innings. I was like, they have no shot in this game. Like, you knew it was over when they went up, what, 3-1? It felt over in, like, the third inning. Like, they, they just didn't have it at the plate. You could just tell, so... That's my that's my baseball take for this. Um, it is actually kind of a good reminder too of like anything in sports betting that is DFS or wagering. Like I say this all the time, but like nothing's ever as good or as bad as it seems. Yes, right. Like the Lions getting smacked against the Ravens. I feel so confident they're bouncing back this week against the Raiders. So um, yeah, sports are crazy, man. They're fun. The unpredictable is why it makes being a fan uh, and what we do so fun. So it's just, uh, it's wild, man. Variance is crazy, but let's hope things go well tonight. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk about week eight and the slate that we have. We'll reflect a little bit because, man, we went into week seven saying, oh, the totals are so low. These games are great. Like we had really fun NFL football. We had a lot of high scores, uh, either in your home league or you know, some massive scores in DFS uh, for a couple of players that really changed the slate. 
Uh, a lot of the chalk failed, so we'll talk about that. But if you want to get the DFS pass, we talked about this last week, 33% off right now. If you want to get in on that, our DraftKings picks, our FanDuel picks, our optimizer, and then I would say the best part of the DFS pass is access to the Discord channel, our props, our DFS, and props to you bets. We had a really good week in the prop streets, a good little bounce back for the people. So uh, you get access to all of that. You get access to a community of people that love talking and love talking at all hours of the night about DFS and props and people posting. Um, so you can get all of that at DFSPass.com and get 33% off. Let's review this past week. Straight cash, homie. So I can't come on this podcast and puff my chest out because your boy, I cashed by the slimmest, I think the slimmest margin I've ever had in cash. Um, the cash line this past week on DraftKings, I always look at the $25 double up. That's kind of the gauge that I use for my article. The cash line was 117 points, which was super low, right? Compared to all the other weeks where we're trying to hit 130, 140, somewhere around there. I hit 117.56. And the only reason I hit that line is because I had the Chiefs defense on that final Justin Herbert interception that put me over the top. So um, I was super fortunate. And I would say overall, it was a tough week for some of our listeners and just the chalk in general. Yeah, I mean, certainly this kind of stuff happens uh, a few times throughout the year, right? Where it's like, this is what looks right in terms of the math and how it adds up on a points per dollar basis. But, you know, you and I were texting about this like Sunday night into Monday that, you know, if you really did kind of follow like what the cash builds were, meaning you paid down at quarterback, you went with Jordan Love, Russell Wilson, even Gino, you know, those guys all got you like 13 to 17 ish points. So like, they didn't matter. They didn't separate at all, whether it be cash or tournaments. What you needed to do was flip the build. And this is what we've talked about a couple weeks in a row for tournaments is if this is what the field is doing and everyone is so confident that this is right, you know, if you play multiple lineups, maybe you flip the build the other way and you go up at quarterback. And if you had the Mahomes-Kelsey stack, you probably did very well. If you had the Lamar-Andrews stack, you probably did very well. Shout out to you on that one. Um, I know that was your, your bold call in the DFS pass at the end of the week. Yep. So that they would combine for 60 DK points. They went bonkers this week. So that was fun. But um, but yeah, the quarterbacks really didn't separate much. And the running backs, like truthfully, it, it didn't matter, right? Like Gibbs was awesome and he was a rock solid play. Uh, Ford was good and it looked like he was going to smash after the start of the game. But of course, the injury and, and everything, like he just kind of like settled into like for, for 5.1K, 17 DraftKings points is great. But like it looked like he was on his way to 25 plus. And he didn't do much. And then like guys like Pacheco didn't really do anything. Eckler failed. Obviously, the Bijan thing happened. So like running back was just a weird slate, man, where like it literally didn't matter who you had. It, it, you had to have Gibbs if you wanted to do something uh, well in your in your uh, contest. Yeah. And one of the things that I think is important, my biggest takeaway for myself and for other people is if you have a chalkier build and the way like we don't give roster percentage for cash and I don't know anybody that does. Because it's such a hard thing uh, to, I mean, you can get a feel for like the most popular players. Like we were like, hey, Ken Walker is probably going to be pay, played by 70, 75% of these double ups. And he was at 80% in one of mine. Um, you need to be able to understand which players are going to be chalky so that if you go into the late window and you don't have either pivot options or 
you don't have anybody that can be a differentiator, then if the chalk fails, you're just kind of moving with the herd. And that is probably my least favorite thing in DFS. It is also a double-sided, like it's a, it's a double-edged sword for me because I'm like, I got to get different. So I would encourage people that if you're seeing the same builds in Discord, if you're seeing the exact same builds, because I, I would say this week, of the of the nine players you had on your roster, I feel like most people in our Discord had at least six of those the exact same. Well, would you agree? Yeah, probably. I mean, it was probably Ken Walker. You were probably playing Pacheco or Jacobs. You were probably playing Hollywood or Wandale or Josh Palmer. You were probably playing Luke Musgrave or Michael Mayer. And then you maybe paid up for Cooper Cup. Like I just named almost an entire roster of so many different people. So you need a differentiator in your lineup. And that's okay if it's somebody that you feel a conviction. For me, it was Mark Andrews past week. And I was super fortunate for that. Um, but just, just understand, roster percentage is something you and I don't care about in cash. But it does matter if you end up having seven chalky players and you're just moving with the group. And if you guess wrong on one of them, um, you, I mean, you're screwed. So if you had Josh Jacobs, I'm sorry. He was a great play in terms of opportunities. He didn't end up in our cash lineup, but he was in our top plays because he projected so well. And that game, that game went so different than what I thought it was going to go. Like the the fact that Foreman had three touchdowns, the Bears controlled the clock. So um any other final takeaways from cash this past week? Um, I thought the the one thing on the slate that was really interesting was the Seattle situation. We rarely get a play that opens up that is an elite play, which JSN at his price became one of the best plays on the slate because it was kind of a gross wide receiver play, uh, say, slate anyway, excuse me, with Cooper Cup being so expensive. Diggs is, was projecting okay, but like you didn't feel like you kind of had to get up to that range. And so in the the low key, like three key range, it was like Wandale and no one else, right? For like cash consideration. But if you were able to kind of pivot around that news that DK Metcalf was going to be out, you could have set yourself up very well for cash and tournaments. And I was really happy with kind of my process of how I went about doing that. Just made sure I had so much flexibility because I wanted to be able to get way overweight the field JSN in the event Metcalf was out. If Metcalf was in, I was pretty much toast anyway. Turns out I was toast regardless, so it didn't really matter. But like from a process standpoint, I was really happy about that late swap flexibility. So just a reminder that, again, when whenever you're making kind of a difficult, you know, 1v1, 2v2 decision, I usually try to side with the guys in the later game. Just if things break right for you from an injury perspective, you know, then then you can really have a big layup on the field. So I thought the JSN thing was super interesting, both for cash uh, and for tournaments. Yeah, and... We usually, you know, it's hard to talk about late swap because everybody has this different roster, but this past week was very heavy in the afternoon window where I saw just, just this, this is what my piece of advice, I did this myself, but early, in the early window, I had some Lamar, Andrews, Amon Ra. I mean, I had a team that also had Gibbs on it, and I was just like blazing. Like I have four guys that are killing it. And then I have all these dudes in the afternoon window, including there was one tournament that I sent you that I was like bets I have five live players I'm sitting in fifth nobody else has more than two I am I mean this team is gonna roll and the afternoon window came and went and it was like if you didn't have Kelsey or Mahomes or Josh Palmer like you were gonna get roasted so do not send screenshots early it doesn't help anyone um it doesn't help your family when you're like look at all this money I think I'm gonna win 
Uh, it doesn't help your psyche of how close you are. I, I've been there. So I'm not trying to point fingers. Like, I've totally been there. I thought I had a team bets. I mean, like, right, like Lamar, my, my call was Lamar and Andrews. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is the week. And it kind of didn't matter in tournaments. Yeah, that was crazy. I, I had a good team on Fandle that had that stack with Gibbs. So that team did very well. But on DraftKings, I, same as you, I had a Lamar, Andrews, bring back with Amon Ra team. And I was like, oh, baby, we are cooking. And, you know, in that lineup, it was Amon Ra as leverage over Gibbs. And then, of course, in the second half, Gibbs comes out and goes bonkers. He's super chalky. Um, in that lineup, I was able to switch on to JSM, which really was great. But I played like, I mean, Christian Watson and yeah, I forget which tight end. Like, And they just they just, you know, fell apart. So it was like one of those really exciting 1 p.m. slates <laughs> and then turns into like, sweet, I barely min cashed. Like, so tournaments are tough, man. I felt like and you and I talk always like after like, hey, how did, did you feel like you had a good read? I felt like I had such a good read on this slate from going all in on Lamar and Andrews, um, even hitting, dude, on a couple of great dart throws. Like MVS was a dart throw. I was like, I'm going to play MVS. That felt good. Nelson Aguilar got a touchdown. I added him in there. Like I had some some plays. Now, Devontae Parker, that didn't work out so well, but that's just kind of how it works. So um, anyway, glad you're with us. I do want to talk about those some big winners. All right, here's some winners in our Discord. I'm going to throw their names out. Energizer, Broski, Dino, Trey Boo Boo, and Zay Fireflowers took our props from this past week that we shared in the DFS pass, and they parlayed them together, including Zay Fireflowers. It said, thank you, Borg and Betts. I parlayed all your props together with a few of my own with a DK bonus bet, and they all hit. Now, I think... Bets and I would say don't don't always do that. It's not the best process to parlay our props together. But it was nice to see some big wins, right? I mean, hey, you do you. If that's your style and you're 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 cool with the the massive swings of ups and downs, that's totally fine. Uh, but I would say generally that leads to a wide, massive range of outcomes where you could lose seven or eight weeks in a row and then hit a big one. So it just depends on your style. Uh, they are not meant to necessarily be parlayed together. Correct. Not that you can't, but they are meant to be played as singles given uh, the odds that are associated with them and you know all that sort of thing. But hey, man, when it hits, it's super fun. It was nice, though, to see some of the ones that we felt a ton of conviction on. The Keontae Ingram one was one that you were like, hey, I'm taking this under. Deshaun Watson was the one that I was like, hey, I am taking this under and, you know, because there is an out, we said, of injury or something else. Uh, MVS, man. That one, that will go down as one of my favorite props of the year because it was gross and the lines moved and our people got in early. So I'm, I'm happy for the MVS win. Um, Dustin77 won $2,500. He said, my biggest win so far this year. Thanks for the DFS pass, Borg and Betts. And then one more here. Got to give a shout out to the Mumford on Discord. Thanks to you guys in the DFS pass, I was able to treat the fam to Friday night at Chili's Endless Chips and Salsa for the win. Also, don't sleep on the Southwest egg rolls. I mean, what a time. What an elite move that is. Friday night at Chili's. I mean, that's just, that's it right there. And you promised last week, right? Some swag. Yes, this, that's true. For this shout out. So getting some baller swag. Uh, yes, Mumford, I will hook you up. I, I got to post this in, in our Slack and I'm like, hey, this is kind of part of our culture now. 
Uh, so Andy, if you want to work on a partnership deal for us with Chili's, uh, you know, we need something more than just like free kids meals. We already get those, you know, that's right. already part of the right. deal at Chili's. So, uh, we'll figure it out. But anyway, some great wins this week for the DFS pass. Let's turn the page. State of the main slate. Each week, we refer to the DraftKings Sportsbook lines where bets and I play. You can go to sportsbook.draftkings.com. And I just wanted to check in real quick with one wager we talked about last week. We had an article up on the site about our win totals. The Bills under, when I was factoring in their wins for, for this year, like I was not thinking that they would lose at home or lose to the Patriots on the road. But here we are. So it's just showing there's more variance in win totals than I think people realize. And I think it's something that you and I are pretty good at doing, which is forecasting and over a period of time. Now, a lot of people don't like wagering on win totals because you're putting money away for a while and it's not a great return investment. If you're saying I'm going to allocate 10, 15, 20% of my bankroll for the year on this, we would say that it can be pretty profitable. It was last year. Last year we hit, we were eight and two on our win totals. And this year we are definitely looking around 70%. So um, any thoughts on win totals in general and the bills under which we took the under, I believe it was at 10 and a half, right? Or yeah. Right. So 10 and a half, I think plus 125. It's actually nine and a half after the loss to the Patriots, the over. Moving the lines. <laughs> you didn't actually move the lines. I know, I know. The line moved because they <laughs> they fell on their face against Mac Jones and the Patriots. Uh, but nevertheless, the line is now nine and a half. The over is heavily juiced to minus 140. So it looks good, man. It looks good. Uh, but yeah, like you said, that's just a reminder of like how crazy the NFL can be on a week-to-week basis. I mean, look at the Monday night game, right? Uh, Niners, seven-point favorites. No one thinks they can lose against Kirk Cousins in primetime. It happens, man. It happens every year. Let's look at the lines for week eight because we get a big slate, right? Like we get a big Mamma Jamma, this is the one that we want and we haven't had in a long time. There's no bye weeks this week. Don't ask me why the NFL does this for week eight and just says, hey, you know what? No buys this week. I know we had a bunch last week. Like, why would they not even it out? Anyways, um, but we have a lot of games to work with. Uh, I believe, if I'm counting correctly, 14 games on the main slate. Is that right? Uh, 13, I think. 13, sorry, I miscounted. So looking at these games... Looking at the totals this week, there are none above 50. There are none above 49 or 48. Like the highest total we have on the main slate this week is currently sitting at 47. Last week, we we had the same kind of narrative and we were like, oh, this game's going to be bad. We had some great games for DFS. So any initial thoughts on the state of the main slate, the size and the totals? I mean, I think you're seeing just in general with the totals, maybe an overcorrection in the market and i'm not sure like i i mean i'm not as smart as people out in vegas obviously so what do i know but like in general we're used to kind of this like you know mid 40s upper 40s 50s and there's usually i mean if you go back to last year two years ago like there's a couple games every week that sit at that 50 plus point total and now a couple weeks in a row we have none of those and there's a bunch in the 30s again the low 40s but the market could be overcorrecting because unders have been hitting at such a high rate this year that I do think 
eventually things will kind of swing back. The pendulum will swing back where you're going to see some overs, uh, especially when the lines are this low. So last week, if you did kind of take that approach and you could find the games that did hit, you know, for example, the uh, the Ravens game against the Lions went bonkers. Um, the Chiefs held up their end of the bargain, you know, in their game. Uh, the, the Chargers largely failed, but uh, the the Broncos and Packers failed. So like if you can kind of find those games, I think, where the field is overconfident in one outcome or the other and just play the other side of it in tournaments, it's a great way to get leverage. Like everyone was kind of like, oh, this, you know, this Chiefs game is falling in total. Like I don't want to play it. And the Chiefs were great. Uh, the same thing was kind of true of the opposite of Green Bay and Denver. Everyone was like, oh, this is the game. The weather's perfect. It's one of the highest totals. It failed. And no one was going to play the Ravens because there was some wind concerns. And as always, people get over-concerned about... it did not matter. Over-concerned about the weather. And so, like, everyone was off it. If you played it, you probably had a good week. So just a reminder that those things, uh, I think the market tends to overvalue and think they're overconfident in on a week-to-week basis. That's well said because I looked at the early lines as part of my process every single week. If you want to do that, you, I mean, DraftKings is laying a line right now and they do it on Mondays. So I kind of turn the page and then I kind of see the difference from Monday to Tuesday to see where the early money is coming in. A lot of these games were slightly bet up on this week, except for, of course, the Falcons and Titans, which uh, sits at 36 and a half. And uh, the Titans might be trading away their whole team. Who knows? But these totals are coming up a little bit to the point where there's some games that are interesting if they hit around 44, 45, 46. I mean, we saw last week, imagine going into the week saying, I want to be a part of the Browns-Colts game. And what? It went for 77 points. Now, DFS-wise, there wasn't many like great plays because the defense of the Browns kind of got there despite giving up points. You had Josh Downs and, and Michael Pittman, but it was like so spread out. It was a weird game. Other than Gardner and Kareem Hunt getting two touchdowns, like no one truly went off in a game that scored 77. But my point is there are games out there that we can mine the goodness of. So we'll talk about those games in a second. Let's take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, Betsy, hit me with the top five team implied total for this week. 
Yes, we've got the Dolphins leading the way at 28.3. The Chiefs are second at 27 points. The Ravens, 26 points. The Niners at 25.8. And the Cowboys taking on the Rams are at 25.5. Yeah, the problem with all of these games, like when you look at those, you go, sweet, none of those teams are playing each other. So there's no like back and forth affair that we would say like, oh, this is the matchup. You know, like if we had Dolphins and Cowboys or Dolphins and 49ers, um, we would love and we'd be getting a 50 point total. So all of these teams, the question this week comes down to who is the bring back? Cause the, these are the five teams that I think are head and shoulders, not just in team applied totals, but in stacking and the way that you're going to think about it. So I really care about who on the other side can actually get there and hold up their end of the bargain in these matchups. So we'll talk about that. The Kansas city Denver game for me is probably going to be the most popular. And I think part of it is recency bias because we saw what Mahomes and Kelsey did last week. Um, Kansas City's eighth in place per game, first pass rate over expectation. And last year, I I don't know if you remember this game. This is just a random game, you know, where Kansas City won 34 to 28. And some guy named Russell Wilson and Jerry Judy went for three touchdowns. <laughs> Russ love- turned into Lamar Jackson overnight, running for touchdowns left and right. He was he was crazy out there. Um, I do remember that game because you said I'm going to play him in a tournament. I said you're crazy. Turns out I'm crazy, uh, but I remember that very vividly. The other thing about this, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, Kyle. I think this moved in the direction of the uh, Broncos. Correct. I think it was eight or eight and a half. It's now seven and a half, favoring the Chiefs. So uh, people are putting money on on Denver. What could go wrong? To say that this game stays close. This was the Thursday night game two weeks ago where everyone just thought, you know, the Chiefs were going to boat race them and ended up being close, uh, a close game. So we'll see. I, I haven't looked at the salaries closely for the Denver guys, but it is kind of one of those like nice situations, I think, where like if you're stacking up Mahomes, you just know like you're probably just bringing it back with one of the wide receivers on the other side. Like Cortland Sutton was great last week, right? If Jerry Judy gets moved this week, Marvin Mims is going to be a great cheap play. So, yeah, I think there's um, there's some interesting ways to think about that game. Yeah, I, I I like that game initially. Mahomes has always had to throw more on the road. And the Chiefs, like you look historically, Andy Reid's tenure, they have crushed divisional opponents on the road, which usually coaches have the exact opposite problem. Like, I can't win on the road in division. These teams know me well. Like, it's been years and years and years since Kansas City's lost on the road uh, on a normal like you know Sunday game in, in division. So Kansas City Denver is one of the games definitely that sticks out. Give me another one. Yeah, this one's a little bit lower in terms of the overall total. Uh I, I guess not that low. 46 points on this slate's pretty good, but I kind of like the Bengals and Niners in this spot. Um the Niners coming off the primetime game definitely put up a stinker last night. But the nice thing is we know where the football is going. And with Debo out for this game, it's going to be very condensed once again to CMC, Kittle, and Ayuk. And on the other side, they left T. Higgins very cheap this week. Jamar Chase still isn't really priced up aggressively. He's 8.1. And both quarterbacks in this game are 6K or cheaper. And before the bye week for Cincy, you know, Burrow, the health was still kind of a, a talking point. I think it'll be healthier. I think T will be healthier. And they were just massively skyrocketing in their pass rate for the last two games before the bye week. I think we see a ton of that again this week against the Niners. And look, Kirk Cousins showed us, and and quarterbacks have shown us, you can throw on the Niners this year. So I actually really like that game quite a bit. The sneakiest game for me this week is I want to bring up your Eagles. I want to bring up Washington. 
Um, earlier this year, Philadelphia barely won at home 34-31 against these commanders. Last year, they lost to them as well. But we like Philly's offense because they have a ton of plays, 71 plays per game, second in the NFL. But their defense hasn't been shut down. Like, they've shut down the run, but I feel like they're giving up a lot of yards. They're actually allowing 20 points per game, and Washington is in a spot where they just say, screw it, let's just let's just do whatever we want. Sam Howell doesn't care. They're second in pass rate over expectations. So that's a game I'm interested in because it's in Washington and because I think you're going to see Howell throw the ball 40 times. For sure. And the Eagles have shown us they're very comfortable leaning on Jalen Hurts to throw the football. So yeah, if we get anything close to that crazy game that happened, like you said, in week four, there's a ton of high ceiling plays in this game. I mean, A.J. Brown, uh, Terry McLaurin showed some signs of life the last couple of weeks. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty interested. I like the call that you have this this week, and it's just a reminder that the teams that we th- well, that we knew last year, like, oh, this is just who they were, the Colts, like, oh, what a boring team with Jeff Saturday. Shane Steichen has made this team really fun for fantasy and really fun for DFS. So you have New Orleans and Indianapolis. Yeah, and on the dock right now, I have 43.5 for that total. Actually, I'm seeing some 44s out there, so this is moving in the right direction for us in terms of being interested in the game stack. Um, historically, we were talking on the show the last, you know, five or six weeks about the Saints games. They just can't hit their team total. They've gone under. And I'm still a little worried about that, but I think Indy is going to push them enough in this spot. Indianapolis games this year, five and two to the over. They're sixth in place per game. Their pass, uh, pass rate and pace is up with Gardner Minshew under center. And, you know, Indy's D, it's like a perfect recipe for these kind of back and forth shootouts where the offense has been good and shown us a ceiling no, look last week but also their defense has been hor- horrible right they're 30th in scoring allowing over 27 points a game and if they kind of have that kind of bad defense but good offense similar to like what the lions were for part of last year you get these crazy games so in a dome the totals on the rise i certainly like it yeah gardner's been super fun like the first two weeks 44 55 pass attempts and then last week he was like you know what i'm not gonna throw that much i think he had like 15 completed passes but i'll run two in like gardner's all over the map the the best way i can explain what he is and what this team is is he's like he's our blake bortles he is our he's gonna stumble and bumble his way into fantasy production his team's gonna lose but we kind of like it and he's like the clear starter he's not going anywhere because richardson so it's like every single week you can expect good things um, from the Colts, and this one's at home. So I like that one a lot. The game that I want to be underweight on this week is the battle for East Rutherford, New Jersey. It's the Jets and the Giants. And little little sidebar here about New Jersey. Uh, one time when Em and I were dating, uh, for some reason this came up in conversation about New Jersey. And I just, you know, made a little jab. I was trying to be the funny guy. And I said, oh, New Jersey, you know, people always talk about it's the armpit of the nation. Nothing good comes from New Jersey. And Emma's mom just said, oh, I was born there. I'm from New Jersey. And I just felt like the biggest dummy ever. Like, why would I say that? It's just such a stupid comment. So ignorant from the South. I don't even, I mean, just dumb. So, um, Jets, Giants fans, I apologize to you, your state. Um, I, I, most people from New Jersey don't love it, though. Uh, but I'll just say this. The Jets defense has held their opponents under the team implied total in five of six game. The Jets play super slow. They're 30th in place per game. 
We'll talk about Brees Hall. We think he's a great play for cash, but this is not a game that you want to attack at all this week from a stacking perspective. Yep, makes a ton of sense. I do think it is going to be Daniel Jones this week for what it's worth, but who can not that that has not that that's really mattered early in the year. Um, so I like the Brees call. We'll talk about him, but uh, but yeah, as far as the game stack, I don't think you really need to go there for a bunch of different pieces in the game. I'm gonna I feel like give a little contrarian take here. I'm not super interested this week in Jacksonville and Pittsburgh. Now I will say if Zay Jones continues to miss, Christian Kirk continues to project extremely well so like he's in the cash game pool in that scenario um calvin ridley is actually cheaper this week than christian kirk for the first time this year so those guys i think would be fine tournament plays but like as far as getting into this game stack in a a big way pittsburgh man they just they want to win ugly right that's kind of their brand of football their games are five and one to the under they're 28th in plays per game and kenny pickett is dead last in the nfl in terms of overall quarterback efficiency which looks at epa and completion rate over expected so there's just so many ways where like they hide him it doesn't go well uh you know they they have a low scoring game as their games have been all year it just doesn't feel like one of those games where i want to get into with you know crazy game stack scenario like i said i think the wide receivers and travis Etienne's projection is going to be great but like i don't think i'm going to getting three four guys from this game yeah for sure i could see a correlation of Etienne and pickens um and just kind of moving on from this game but yeah not a full stack i'm going to give you a gross take you just gave one the team you are most confident hitting the over of their team implied total. I have the New England Patriots on here. And you don't like it, do you? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be the one of the one wouldn't be the guy that comes in on the show supporting Mac Jones and the Patriots offense after they have an upset of the Bills. This just feels like one of those where they crash back under your earth. Okay, yes. It's on the road. It's in Miami. Their team implied total is just 18.8. And I think, one, they're going to be pushed because they're playing against the Dolphins at home. The Dolphins' defense, dude, is not great by any means. They're allowing 27 points per game. It's rough. And so what I'm what I'm seeing here is I think there's value in... There's value in the Patriots. There's value in Ramondre Stevenson. And there's value if there's pass catchers like Kendrick Bourne that I think are still going undervalued for their role. Demario Douglas... We talked a little bit about him last week, and I I wish I would have thought about him over uh, Devontae Parker, but like, there's players that are getting actual snaps that matter against zone coverage, so I just think the Patriots can hold up their own, and if you are stacking Dolphins, if you're doing a two-a-double stack, I'm very happy to stack uh, to bring Patriots back on the other side. I'm fine with that. Dude, Kendrick Bourne is like quietly balling out right now. <laughs> like He's been really good, which is just crazy to say, but... Uh, I think Juju will be back this week. So like the projections will probably change a little on their offense as far as the target share, but like he's done nothing. So I think if early in the week, if you're like, Hey, I'm going to bring it back. I think Kendrick Bourne would be the dude yep. uh, for me. I'm going to be a homer and take the Eagles over 24 and a half points. They are five and two in terms of hitting their team implied total this season. They scored 23 plus in every game, except for that week six game against the jets, which was very weird. They're averaging almost 27 uh, points per game this season Washington's defense 26th in EPA uh, 27th in EPA per pass and 19th in EPA per rush like whether you want to throw whether you want to run Washington has not been able to stop it so I think the Eagles will find success here and score 25 plus points all right which team are you most confident hitting the under and I though on the main slate we can't talk about this team can we make sure that we mention this for people out there that the Raiders 
have yet to hit their team implied total? Like, would you tell people right now? I know we're not giving full betting advice, but the Raiders on the road in Detroit, like, they're not going to hit their team implied total again. Eventually they will. Like, they'll hit it once or twice this year. This is the Broncos of last year where, like, you know, we kind of slow played it like five weeks in, six weeks in. We're like, man, this team is really not good. And if you would have just auto bet Denver Broncos team total under every single week, I think you would have hit 70, 65 plus percent of the time, almost 70. Probably I have to go back and look, but like it would have been a very profitable thing. So this is the team this year, man. I think you just do it. Like you said, traveling on the road, taking on a Lions team that, you know, last week was weird. They got boat raced, whatever it happens in the NFL. But like largely, they have a solid to above average defense and their offense can roll. So like, I think we're going to see them in a huge negative game script here. Recipe for disaster. So yeah, I'm on the under this week. Yeah, the team on the main slate that I think hits the under this week is the Giants because, well, they've hit the under in five or six games. Bets, what if I told you that this Giants team is averaging, averaging 12 points per game? I believe it. They've hit, I've watched them play. It's not great. They've hit their team implied total. <laughs> hold on one, just once. That's it gross yeah well that's rough um i'm gonna also take an under on the tennessee titans now i have on the dock 18 points it's since moved to 17 and a half which you can still grab on mgm and DraftKings. i think there's some uncertainty here on the ryan Tannehill thing i do not think he plays coming off the high ankle sprain which means if it's malik willis yikes uh this team is already 5-1 to the under they've hit their team total just once this season and last year in Malik Willis's starts, they had 17, 17, and 14 points. And two of those games came against the Texans. Atlanta, they're already playing to the under. Both these teams want to run the ball. Atlanta games are 6-1 and one to the under. So you mentioned the line movement. Like it was 37.5, then 37. Now it's 36.5. So everything is saying under in this game. It looks kind of bad i'll say for the titans and like atlanta man they've been quietly pretty good on defense fifth in success rate they're 12th in epa and they're number one more importantly in epa per rush attempt on defense that's what tennessee is going to try to do so like from a strength on strength standpoint i think this game sets up very well for the falcons to win yeah this is usually where they fall flat i'm just telling you right now like yeah for sure <laughs> it's uh mike Vrabel's. when it makes sense that they'll win They'll fall on their face. Oh, for sure. Now they haven't. Are they this this stat has been thrown around so much this week in Falcons Twitter that the Falcons are the only team in the NFL to not allow a running back uh, rushing touchdown. So, like you know, Henry's going to go for two at home and guaranteed. So, but yes, I agree. It's not a game that you want to be a part of by any means. Let's move on. Salary standouts. All right, it's early in the week. It's Tuesday. Bets and I are looking at DraftKings salaries, FanDuel, and just spitballing here some plays that we would say, hey, this person kind of stands out for me early in the week. Lamar Jackson is priced up from what he was last week, but still 8,100 on DraftKings, 8,800 on FanDuel against the Cardinals. Like He seems like a play that you can spend up and feel really good about. Um, Jalen Hurts at 8,200, I think is a great play. If you want to play him against Washington, that's, you know, teams are throwing on Washington and we know that Philadelphia's kind of been up in pass rate. So those are the two early in the week. Um, and then you can't really poke holes in Mahomes 8,400 on the road. So those are the three expensive guys this week. And I, do you have a preference between those three, three early in the week? 
I think I just, you know, I'm going to use salary as the differentiator and say I lean Lamar Jackson. The other thing is I have no concerns about uh, Jalen Hurts' availability this week, but if you watch the game, he played the second half with that knee brace on on his left knee. Um, he's actually still was able to run with it. So, like, I think he's fine and he'll run his usual amount. But there is a scenario where the week goes on. He's not quite as healthy. Maybe he's more of a traditional pocket passer this week. That's in the range of outcomes. And so I think I'll just take the guy that I know is definitely going to run, which is Lamar Jackson, and he's cheaper. So I, I like those guys at the top, man. It's kind of weird. Like, this year we've been playing these kind of 5 and 6K quarterbacks. There's not a lot that I love for, like, cash games down in that range. Like, I'm interested in, in Burrow stacks for tournaments. Um, he's 6K, but like beyond that, do you see any value down below? Brock Purdy's kind of interesting, but I I think I would only think about that in tournaments. Uh, I mean, Jordan Love. I mean, is is I just wanted to point out that fine. Kenny Pickett is 4.9. I don't think that's I don't think he's like an incredible play, but like just for reference, that's the same price as Ryan Tannehill. That's a hundred bucks more expensive than Zach Wilson and PJ Walker. He's only uh, $200 more than Jameis Winston. So like that's, <laughs> that is just insane to me. Sam Howell's a volatile play at 5.2. So I, I just, there's no way I could do that in cash because he could implode. But in tournaments, he seems like a pretty fun play. So I think I still have to sort out like where I'm at, like, but it's the expensive guys. And then, yeah, if you wanted to go, I, I, I still like Jordan Love. I think he's fine at 5.7 against the Vikings. Um, at home. I think that one's kind of interesting. Running back, I think, is the big story this week. Christian McCaffrey, good Lord, 9,200 on DraftKings. I don't know if you saw this. On FanDuel, he's over 10K. So there's that. If you want to spend that, I think he's worth it. Um, I think you're getting 20 points like as a, as a minimum. And Cincinnati's kind of been a run funnel team. So Christian McCaffrey, pay up, put him in your pool, I'll see later on in the week if you can make the salary work, if we're going to get, you know, pretty good value in some other spots. Like, I think that's fine. But I wanted to first bring up Alvin Kamara because he's 7,300. And I, I, you just can't ignore this type of involvement on a full PPR site. Bets, he's played four games. He leads all running backs in targets, receptions for the entire season, not just in these four games. He's been targeted on 36% of his routes. And his 35 receptions in this four-game span are the fourth most ever, like in any four-game span, um, behind only three different CMC stretches from 2019. So I feel like Kamara is the better above 7K option because you're getting, I don't know, a floor of five receptions? Yeah, that feels right. I mean... 12 is crazy. <laughs> like that was just insane on Thursday night. But um yeah, four or five catches feels very doable weekly. And if you're getting that on DraftKings, like his his skill set was literally built for DraftKings scoring. It's perfect. So um I, I think he's great. The other thing is we just saw Jerome Ford and Cream Hunt go bonkers against uh this indie defense last week. So like it's it's a good game environment. We like it. I just talked about it. I like that call quite a bit. I also want to throw out too, like I mentioned I'm not super interested in the game stack, but Travis Etienne's role continues to be elite, taking on Pittsburgh. Um, and then if you want to drop down a little further, Isaiah Pacheco's price tag did not change from last week to this week. He kind of failed last week, but this is another plus spot. Good matchup 
you know, high team total taking on Denver. I'm interested in Tony Pollard for tournaments at 7.5. It might be a bit expensive, but I feel like he could he could get lost. I, I'm reading this earlier in the week, but I think he still has a ceiling. I think he's kind of been unlucky based on his touches so far as well. And he's got an elite role inside the 10. So Tony Pollard at 7.5 is great. You and I both love Brees Hall at 5.9. It's the only piece of the Jets offense that we're really going to tout, but seems like a pretty awesome role coming off the bye against the Giants. But 5.9, that feels like a perfect price to pay in cash. Yeah, he looks awesome. Uh, like you said, coming out of the bye, getting healthier, getting stronger, getting more explosive off the ACL. Like it, It's time uh, for Brees. The matchup is there. And I don't know if you saw over the weekend, there was a report from Diana Rossini, who's now with The Athletic, who was talking about uh, things she's hearing around the NFL. Apparently, the Jets are trying to see what they can get for Dalvin Cook, which is nothing <laughs> because of the fact they paid him that ridiculous contract. Yeah, what, what were but they thinking? Dalvin Cook is completely iced out of this offense. He's getting like four, five, six touches a game. It's the Brees Hall show. Yeah, I was doing some work in the spreadsheets because, you know, that's the way to do it. And Dalvin Cook is is not just like phased as offense. Like he's seeing 24% of the early down work. And in case you don't understand, early down work, first and second down, is so much more valuable and correlates so much more to fantasy points. And he's seeing 24% of those snaps. So he's just kind of like irrelevant, doesn't matter. Um, don't worry about it. So Brees Hall has an elite role. You can uh, move there. What about the cheaper guys? Because Kareem Hunt will probably be the only guy but it's a tough matchup in Seattle. It's been a pretty good run defense for most of the year. And then Carolina, I wish I knew if Miles Sanders was the guy, like if he wasn't hurt at 4.9 against the Texans at home, I would love playing Miles Sanders. But Frank Wright kind of came out and said, hey, this is going to be a committee approach. So any interest in those cheap guys? Because they seem like the best options this week. Yeah, Hunt, I think is going to be one of those guys that like for cash games, if he makes the rest of your lineup work, we always talk about that. He's probably fine, even in a tough matchup uh, with Jerome Ford. That's going to miss this game. As far as the Miles Sanders and Chuba Hubbard thing, I think DK did a good job of kind of hedging here uh, with the injury to Miles Sanders. He, like you said, he's 4.9, but Chuba is right behind him at 4.8. Chuba, if you look at every efficiency metric, has been the better running back this year. And now we have the injury for Miles Sanders plus Frank Reich saying like, we're going to take this kind of committee approach. So I don't know where I'll go as far as, uh, you know, Chuba Hubbard for cash games, because it's a little thin projection if Miles Sanders is active, but if he misses another game with that shoulder, Chuba Hubbard against Houston would be locked in at 4.8. All right, let's move on to wide receiver this week. There's a lot of guys in the middle range that are projecting pretty well early in the week. Um, Tyreek Hill is expensive. He's 9,500 on both sides, which makes him a value on FanDuel. But it's really hard to argue against a player that just kind of keeps churning out 30-point games. It's pretty wild. I checked his salary like and where it's moved. It started out this year, Bets, he was 8,200 in week one. <laughs> I'm looking at it now. <laughs> it's it's like, oh man, those were good times when he put up 47.5 DK points. But he's three extra better on his salary in four of seven games, which is awesome. He's always been better on the road in his career, but this year it just kind of doesn't matter. Like I throw out those splits now and just say, you're going to play Tyree Kill, especially with Jalen Waddle banged up. So early in the week, is it a priority to pay for CMC 
or Tyreek for you? That's tough. Um, I think I lean Tyreek because of the full PPR scoring format. Like, you just can't cover this guy. And Jalen Waddle is banged up with the back issue. Now, he did return to the game, so we'll see on him th- throughout the week. But if you get a less than 100% Jalen Waddle, and like the Bills fell on their face, but New England's been very vulnerable in their secondary. They've got some injuries going on, so I think it's a big Tyreek Hill spot. Waddle is so hard to pay for because DraftKings just leaves him up there like in price. Like I think he's the wide receiver eight in salary. So it's not like you're getting a big discount in tournaments. You're like, oh, I'm going to get some leverage on Tyreek Hill. It's like, it's not really worked out. He comes out of games all the time, Jalen Waddle. So the pricing this week at wide receiver is Tyreek on DraftKings at 9,500. Then we get a little discount on Cooper Cup, which I'm assuming everybody is not happy with. Like, I bet there's so many people like, I can't play that guy. He did that last week. It's like, no, Cooper Cup's actually a really awesome play at 9,000. Uh, I could see myself totally on Friday's show going, He's my slate breaker because nobody's going to want to play him, but he's awesome. And then there's this tier of Jamar Chase and A.J. Brown at around 8K. And A.J. Brown is on fire right now. Would you play him in cash at 8K? That's going to be tough because if you play him, you can't play CMC and Tyreek. I think even if you do play him, it's going to be very tough to fit one of those two guys. So I'm not sure. It just depends on how you feel about a priority of Tyreek Hill or CMC. Um, but it's hard to poke holes, right? Like he's just been incredible and he keeps doing it and the matchups there against Washington. So I think it makes sense uh, this week for sure if you do want to go that route. But it's just going to be kind of, I think, when we look at the end of the week and look at projections and all that sort of stuff, is it a priority to get up to Tyreek Hill or not? Right now, I lean yes, but I don't feel super confident in that. Yeah, so there's a lot of great expensive wide receivers. In the middle tier, like around in the 5K range, Christian Kirk is at 5.9. Steelers have been giving up a ton to wide receivers. Zay Flowers looks like a great value. It's kind of shocking. They moved his price down $100. So at 5.6, I think Zay Flowers is going to be a solid play. Deontay Johnson, they just didn't move his price either. They just said, hey, what well, you know, who cares? We'll see what happens there. Um I can't even mention Hollywood Brown in an revenge game because people will be mad, but he's only 5.2. So any other guys that are standing out as values early in the week? I did just want to throw out the wide receiver situation for the Packers. Sounds like Christian Watson's going to be fine with the knee issue, but uh, there's a chance he's limited in this game if that is the case, which we'll find out later in the week. Then Romeo Dobbs at 4.9 against Minnesota would be awesome as would Jaden Reed down at 3.7 in that same matchup. I'll give you some cheap names just to think about, but Rashid Shahid is in a tournament, could be a really fun play if you know people are playing Alvin Kamara, but 3,900 is interesting. Marvin Mims, if we get news of Jerry Judy this week, he's interesting at 3,300, probably not for cash, but he's, he's very interesting. And then the last name I want to mention is what do we do with Rasheed Rice? His price keeps going up. And he keeps coming through and we saw his highest snaps and routes. But is it like enough right now? Like he's at 5K and it feels like we should be playing this guy. But I I pause every single time. Yeah, it's so tough, right? Because we know the story with these KC wide receivers now for the last two years, really, since Tyree Kill has been gone, is that it feels like a weekly kind of whack-a-mole game where you just don't know. Like last week, 
MVS pops up, right, for a huge game. Um, I think you need Justin Watson to continue to be out to feel super confident in this price tag. But I think the field will feel the same, right? You need kind of those concerns to keep his roster percentage down. So just like last week, I think he's going to be a good play for tournaments. I hesitate, though, to play him over a guy like Deontay Johnson, who you just know is pegged in for four or five plus catches weekly and continues to earn targets at an extremely high rate. So not that Rasheed Rice isn't. He's His target throughout run rate is insane. But I think you just have more uh, long-term dependability with Deontay personally. All right, let's move on to tight end. Can I bring up Taysom Hill? Because as weird as this is, he was my cover boy for the First Look article this week. And I just have to talk about it. You're a sick man, Kyle. I know. It's, it, we can't, so we can't categorize Taysom Hill as just a goal line guy, at least based on what he did last week. Betts, did you know that he ran 42 routes last week? Yeah, he he's actually playing like a wide receiver slash tight end hybrid currently. Yeah, so if you knew you were getting, the 42 is a bit high, but if you knew you were getting 30 routes and you were getting five plus rush attempts, I mean, he should be more expensive than 4K. Oh man, this just feels so dirty. <laughs> I don't want to do this. I'm not saying you have Can to. Can I just save my take till the end of the week? That's fine. But Kamara, Taysom Hill, <laughs> I think those two dudes you're going to have to deal with. Like That's one of the big decision points this week is what do you do with those two guys? And last week you could have just said, hey, I'm playing them both together, which we would never say. So what do we know about DFS? Uh, so Taysom Hill, 4K, interesting, 6K on FanDuel. Um, it's another one of those slates, though, where you have Kelsey and Andrews, who both received a price bump, both dominated last week. Kelsey's 8400 on DraftKings. Andrews is $2,000 cheaper. So we had that massive tier break between the two. I think, I think early in the week, I want to play Lamar and Andrews again just to like keep going back to it against Cardinals and just do an onslaught stack. But, I mean, it's hard to argue. I, I You remember last week I was like, okay, Mahomes and Kelsey, I mean, they have to put up like, what, 65 plus points to really pay off? And they did. Like, they, they totally did. So it, it's it's hard to ignore these two guys and just punt and cash. You can't just simply say, oh, I'm going to play somebody at 2K, you know, Trey McBride at 2.8. Like, you're going to get slaughtered. Yeah, it's such a tough week. There's not really anyone that I like down, like you said, in that range or even the low threes. Uh, maybe we'll find someone by the end of the week, but like there's a, I, I, I'm hesitant to say this because tight end position is so bad, but like there's a lot of good tight end plays this week. I mean, you talked about the Kelsey ceiling, the Andrews ceiling. Hawkinson is just getting peppered with targets. George Kittle without Debo. Now, last we know he's capable of these 1.1 DraftKings points games as he did on Monday night. But he's also capable of 27 points, right? Like, I think this tier is going to bury you. One of these guys is probably going to bury you. Um, and then, man, Dallas Goddard's shown a ceiling. Evan Ingram has shown a ceiling. You just mentioned Taysom Hill at 4K. That's the entire list of guys, plus Darren Waller, 4K are more expensive. So, like, it feels like a week where if you try to save money at tight end, in tournaments, one of these guys I feel like is going to pop off. Yeah, I might set a rule in tournament where I'm not playing any of these 2 or 3K guys. We'll have to see how the projections stand. But yeah, Dallas Goddard, I like a lot. Hawkinson last year at Green Bay saw 12 targets in week 17. And that was with Justin Jefferson part of the game plan. So I think he's in store for eight plus again. And that's 
I mean, he's expensive, right? 6.2 is not cheap, but he's still a great play. So lots of good tight ends this week that I am interested in. Lastly, let's go to defense. You mentioned the Falcons, 2,900 on DraftKings, 3,900 on FanDuel. Top five in total yards per game allowed. They've shut down rushing attacks. Arthur Smith, revenge game, whatever. I think the Falcons are fine. Um, I don't know how high upside they are because they're just not going to see a ton of pass attempts or play volume in that game, but I think they're fine for cash. Uh, The Packers make sense at home against Kirk Cousins if you want to do that. 2,700. And then can I throw out the Commanders as like the punt play of the week that actually might have some upside? Sure. The Commanders are 2,300. So you're at 3,300 fan. Just punt it off a bridge. But this is a different Eagles team. Maybe you can speak more into that. But like it's pretty, it's much more turnover prone than what we saw last year. Hertz has eight interceptions. 15% of Eagles drives this year have ended in a turnover. And I don't know if it's felt that way to you, but it's like the team's a little bit more volatile where on the road against a pretty good Washington front, like there could be turnovers and, you know, interceptions returned for touchdowns. Like it's, it's possible. Usually a team that's this low in salary, we don't care, but I think there is some upside with the commanders. Yeah. Especially at their price point, right? It's like, what do they have to do to give you a, a viable, even cash performance, like five points. It's fine. Take it and move on kind of thing. So yeah, you already mentioned the volatility and divisional team. They know each other very well. It's the second time they're playing. Uh, Jalen Hurts dealing with that minor knee issue. So like you could talk me into it for sure, especially if you wanted to punt. I'll also throw out too, I mentioned how poor Kenny Pickett has been from like an efficiency standpoint, EPA, stuff like that. Um, the Jags have been pretty good defensively. They're also 2.8. If we get this Malik Willis news, which I think we will get, if it is Malik Willis, everyone is going to try to jam in the Falcons. They're a hundred bucks cheaper. I think they'd be an interesting leverage play for tournaments. I like that call a lot. If you want to play with us, you can go to ballersdfs.com. We'll direct you to our DraftKings League, Fantasy Footballers, DFS, Borg, Plus, Bets. Pretty soon, we're going to try to get some more tournaments. Maybe I'll get uh, maybe we'll get Big Shimmy Jason to uh, to headline a tournament, and you get to play against Jason, Andy, Mike, all those people. So, um, yeah, go to ballersdfs.com if you want to play with us. And we will be with you this week in the DFS Pass for the journey. But Bets, tell everybody goodbye. Yes, sir. We are on to week eight. Of course, we're back on Friday. Break down the news, projections, cash plays, all that stuff. And props. Kyle, I mean, props are are popping this week. So good luck to all of you out there throughout the week. Hope you enjoy the week. We are back on Friday to preview the week eight main slate. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Embedding Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at thefantasyfootballers.com.